Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Well, praise the Lord and God bless you today. This is Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life. Hey, just sitting in for Angie because I told you there's no substitute for Angie Austin. That chick is just off the chain. And we are enjoying some great weather here in the Colorado area, in the Denver metro. It's just absolutely beautiful. I don't know where you are in the world, but I'm praying for y'all that's out there on the East Coast and all that humidity because I was just out in, in Virginia a couple of weeks ago and Lord have mercy. All I had to do was step outside for three minutes and <laughs> Doug, Leslie, you know what? It was flat out hot. Yes. Yeah. Flat out hot. I, I've got my good friends, Leslie and Doug, um, in here with in the studio with me today and producer David out there. And we're just going to have a good time because you know what? It's the summertime. We should have fresh ideas. We should have uh, we should have fresh directions. We should have fresh thoughts. Yes, you know absolutely. because this is a beautiful season of the year. It is. It's my favorite. Is it really your favorite? Oh, I love summer. I, I'm I'm spring and and winter. I mean fall, spring and spring fall. And fall. Spring and fall. Those are pretty times. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the only reason Doug, I'm spring and fall is because I can only take off so much. Okay, in the summertime, ah. See, without going to jail. I'm just saying. Okay, let's just be honest about it. Because you see men all the time walking around with no shirts on. And now, to be honest with you, some of them need to put those shirts back Absolutely. on. And, and take their Speedos off and, and take the Speedos them. off Amen and just put that. some clothes on. But in the wintertime, I can put as many clothes on as I want to. Yes. You know, and it doesn't. It doesn't affect me like it does in the summer. But I tell you, this summer, uh, my, my daughter works for Jimmy John's, and a, a customer came in yesterday, and she shared with my daughter she had just come from Arizona where it was 120 degrees. Oh, they, they, oh wow. I have some friends in Arizona oh. that I connect with, and they are dying down there. Oh, yes. my gosh. I, I just can't do it. I, oh. I When I was a kid growing up in South Carolina, I did it, you know. Yeah. But I didn't know any better. I mean, you know, kids, right, we right, were right. just kind of crazy. We had lost our minds and stuff. Kids don't even really notice the weather. No, they don't. They don't know what temperature it is, I and they go outside and anything. You know, it doesn't matter. At least, uh-huh. at least in Arizona, it's a dry heat at 120. We're back east. That's oh, like no. drippy drip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Doug, because that, that weather just, oh, it just drains you. It really does. Yes. It really drains yes. you. Yes. But it's not too bad here. I mean, you know, with the, the dryness and stuff. I like it. And I like it. I do, it. too. Yeah. I do. I love this weather. So, everybody, we just want to welcome y'all today to Angie Austin and Friends, and, and we're just going to have a great time today. We've got some good news stories, and then I've got some life questions to ask <laughs> Leslie and Doug because, you know, when you think about it, young people that are married to each other, they're going through a hard time. Mm. And and when we come back, we're going to listen to a couple of good news stories. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you questions about what happens when a young couple faces a miscarriage. Mm. So our first um, good news story is Good Sam. He gives his shoes to a man crawling on Scorching Street. I got to know where this was. Producer David, I got I'm, to. I can't Virginia. remember. I can't remember. It. I think it'll say in here where it was, but I, I think it's Arizona or something like that, oh where it was Lord. real, real hot, and mm. the guy was burning his feet, so he's crawling along the street. 
Oh my His feet gosh. got burned up. So wow. Here wow. you go. David Lee Witherspoon Jr. is a man who wears many hats or shoes, more like it. Kind of like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> so I had a lot of shoes that day. He switches out his souls depending on the job, from working at the Phoenix VA to volunteering as president of one of St. Vincent de Paul's food pantries. So last week, while he was leaving this nonprofit near the I-17 and 7th Avenue, I noticed there's a man crawling. So you know, I stopped my car. I didn't even pull over. I just, I just saw him right away. So. I got out and I asked him, I said, sir, what's wrong? The man told him he had an argument at home, now living on the street and didn't grab any shoes when he left. A lot of people give up on people now, and that's the biggest problem. Instead of giving up, he gave. It was a pair of shoes he used, but knew someone needed it more. I mean, you don't have to, like, empty your wallet or anything like that. Just a simple kind act. Simply giving this man a chance to stand tall again on his own two feet. Now, believe it or not, I, I'm almost ready to cry over that. Aww. I really am. Because he, he told the truth. Um, he said, we don't help people like that anymore. We don't do things for people. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame that we've come to that point where we can't. But thank God for people like him. Mm -hmm. He just stopped and, and took the shoes and gave them to the man. Mm -hmm. You know, what would happen if we, and I've asked this question before on, on the good news with Angie Austin and friends. What would happen if we went back to the old ways that we used to operate in? Mm. You know, if Doug, if your family had a problem, um, something came up, we're bringing you food. We're taking care of the kids. We're giving you rides everywhere. Why can't we get back to that? I don't think we have the same community feel we used to have. People are disjointed. They move. Mm. They're not around a lot. Uh, you know, and so people don't have that sense of neighborhood yeah. where they're watching out for each other and yeah. paying attention to what's happening and hearing about struggles or problems or couldn't pay the rent or mm -hmm. w couldn't feed my children kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really sad. We're sort of alone and isolated in this world many yeah, times. Yeah, and I think probably it's shifted with the age of technology where we are more disconnected. You know, we're always bringing yeah. up technology, but people are more tuned into that than developing community in real, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in your neighborhoods, connecting with who's next to you. In your, like, who even knows? Some people don't that's even right. know their neighbors. That's right. You're right about You know, that. along with technology, I think that um, the media, the media at large, kind of keeps us separate they've they've mm -hmm. created this divide for us oh yes Lord. and they want us to be separate you know what i noticed mm. a few weeks back on fourth of july a lot of my friends who claim to be patriots were talking about how they weren't really into it they don't really feel the love for the u.s anymore mm. and it's this weird social thing i think it's weird i see it kind of parallel with the i hate cops movement mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and it's this weird social thing where it's like cool to not like America and uh, it's funny it's like if any of these people traveled to any other country basically right. they would be able to appreciate the things that we have and the way that our life is and maybe that would help you know form a little bit more of community here right. at home but mm -hmm. I don't know I don't understand the whole I hate America and I don't I don't want to know my neighbors and anything like that anymore yeah. you know and, and I, I would suggest to those people as a matter of fact um, producer Dave I would encourage them get out <laughs> just leave <laughs> just leave the United States and like you said go over to some of those foreign countries where they don't experience the freedoms that we have here yeah you know when that young man what was it last year year before last that didn't want to salute the flag the football player yeah Colin Kaepernick yeah. I was like okay just leave yeah. go to some of those countries mm -hmm. where when they play their national anthem you must stand up or you will be killed mm. 
Okay, it's just that critical. But we experience freedoms here, and I guess we do have the freedom not to care for anybody, anybody right. else. Yeah, you know, what struck me in that clip was the comment, instead of giving up, he gave. Yes. Yes. And that's just a statement about our culture. You know, we throw our hands up in the air, hopeless, helpless, or we're so entitled yes, these days yes, yes. that we have these strong, you know, opinions. But what happened to that other centered servant heart of just giving? That's right. And people get help themselves when they that's give. Right. That's right. You're right about that. What um, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, mm -hmm. pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom mm -hmm. because you give. Mm -hmm. That's what we're supposed to do. I think that's a good segue for the next clip. By the I, way. I think it is, too. <laughs> I, I think it is. Thanks. So, yeah, this next clip is uh, a local mail carrier who, out of the kindness of her heart, just went out of her way and helps stop a tragedy. So, here. Wow. A house full of pets and people trying to get them out as a fire spreads. When our crews first arrived on scene, there was heavy fire and smoke from this garage and it was starting to spread into the home uh, on the south side. But even before firefighters arrived on scene, someone else jumped in to help. Yeah, the man, yeah. He's cool. I've known him for years. Robert Sweeney was walking his route when he saw the trouble. So he picked up a garden hose and did what he could. And smoke was everywhere, and he was just a guy in the middle. That is above and beyond for a, a postal carrier. Let's stick an answer. Sweeney may be a bit choked up by what happened today, but if you've got trouble, this is a guy you want around. Once we got back from the fire, we went digging through the archives and found a story from 2008. It's a profile we did on Robert Sweeney after he saved the life of a little baby girl. Kelly Jimenez. Back then, her panicked mother happened to find Sweeney on his route when baby Kelly had a seizure. He gave her CPR right there on the lawn, kept her alive until paramedics showed up. I guess it's getting to be a habit. They got their bird out and a, a dog. They had some kittens in that front living room there, but the fire was back there, so hopefully they didn't get smoked. Yeah. And, that's like, and you're spraying the house down sort of while yeah. they're doing that. Best I could. The best he could, inspiring the better natures in us all, still willing and not hesitating to help nearly a decade later. This man has a legacy of helping. <laughs> he really does. He has, he's created a legacy of mm. helping people. Mm -hmm. You know, how often do we help somebody? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't take much. No, just, just step up and step in. Yes. Yes. The heart, you know, when I think of the heart of the gospel, it's these kinds of things we've been listening to that, that make uh, Jesus real mm -hmm. in the world and to other people. And kindness, compassion, reaching out, caring for the poor, caring for those that are in an invalid, you know, yes. disability situation. Yes. And if you're somebody who watches out for those in need, you're a disciple. <laughs> Amen. You're a disciple. That's true. Mm. That's very true. That's that's mm. a good point right there. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Well, um, thank you, producer Dave, for the good news stories that you've given us today. And and I, I like I said, I, I have a question for Doug and Leslie. Um, you have a practice for helping marriages mm -hmm. and individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, relationship concerns, intimacy. Mm. Okay. Yeah, all of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, two different situations have come about over the past couple of weeks. One, my youngest daughter was telling me about her friend. Um, she just got out of the Air Force, and she had gotten married before she left the Air Force, still in their 20s. And um, they had gotten pregnant, 
and she miscarried. Mm. And now both of them are angry at each other. The husband and wife are angry at each other. Mm. And the young lady is saying, well, I just, I I don't think we should have even gotten married. You know, and it's, yes. And so how do you deal with, and and then, well, let me tell you about the other couple. Um, They've been married for a while, but they just um, lost their baby at 13 weeks pregnancy. You know, Mm -hmm. and of course there's anger there. And then you get into the, well, God, where are you? You know, mm-hmm. why would you let this happen? Why, why, God? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how do you counsel people in those situations, especially the with the young couple in the 20s, mm-hmm. you know, saying, well, maybe we shouldn't have gotten married at all. Mm-hmm. Just, you know. Well, and that's really tragic how they're just turning each o- on each other with yes. their grief and yes. looking for someone to blame mm-hmm. for this plight. And, you know, that youngness and that idealization where you, you don't think anything bad's going to ever happen to you can yes. just really, you know, slap you in the face mm-hmm. because you don't then ha- know how to think about it, right. how to have a perspective about it and what the what the greater story is that's unfolding mm-hmm. in that marriage and so they have all these strong feelings and they don't know how to make use of them in a way that would be healing and helpful which would be to cry together and to you know dream again down the road mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to share that part of their story that is a hard part of their story but not the end story for them this you is, know, you said something a, key, a, Leslie. A moment. That crying together. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you mm-hmm. off. That's I just right. want to, mm-hmm. crying together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for men to cry. And I know it is because men, men are the protectors, mm-hmm. you know, and this is my wife and we, she just lost the baby and let me just hold on to her. But there's something deeper happening in the man, Doug, that how would he, how can he, I don't even know the question to ask. How can he get into that side that will say, I'm going to cry with my wife? Well, he's got to really work at it because I think men tend to uh, not necessarily brush things aside when it's this enormous. Mm -hmm. But a a husband may not understand his wife's grief. She's the one that's carrying the baby. They're both grieving at a certain level. But for her, it was part of her. Okay. And so, you know, he, he and she, I mean, both of them really need to figure out how to be in the same space mm-hmm. so that they're not trying to move on too fast. They're, ce- they're celebrating the child they lost at some level. They're grieving at some level. And, you know, I'm thinking at 21, th- th- this young couple, they may not have ever experienced any kind of loss in their life. Yeah. Right. So, and all of a sudden they're called upon in, in an enormous way to face something that they don't even know how. And so they, they turn on each other. I would really counsel them to look at how each of them are feeling and find that commonality and really encourage them to, to let go of some of the frustration and anger. That anger toward each other is covering up their sadness. Mm. It's covering up their grief. Mm. And it keeps them both from dealing with what they need to to move on together. You know, and that's... Um I think that this key, what you said just now, they're both dealing with their grief in different ways, Mm -hmm. but they need to find the commonalities Mm -hmm. amongst Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody's listening today. They they might have a a child, a a son or daughter that's going through the same thing right now. Absolutely. You know, or they are. yeah, Or they are. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them, Leslie? What would you tell a family? A family that's lost a child. I I just went to a funeral on this past Saturday of a um, couple um i work with the husband mentoring kids but they lost their 26 year old son Mm -hmm. and you know and it was it was a beautiful homegoing Mm -hmm. service it Mm -hmm. really was Mm -hmm. but you could feel 
how grieved, and I'm talking about not just the family, but people yeah. out in the congregation, yeah. they were just grieving. Yeah. What would you tell somebody when they're going through stuff like that to keep it together, to find those commonalities? I think first and foremost, I would just say, I am so sorry mm. for your loss. I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. Mm -hmm. And there will be a lot of grief and a lot of pain, but this is not the end. Amen. And we, I want to walk alongside you and be with you and be here for you as you work through these strong feelings and you find a new future and a hope. Yeah. Sometimes too. Personal. I, I would just be incredibly personal and, and as empathic as I could be, not knowing fully their experience, Amen. but at least leaning into it. Amen. I think there's some situations like this too that we have to uh, ask ourselves, is this a teaching moment or not? <laughs> mm. and, and sometimes they're not. They just need somebody to hear and cry with them and share the grief with them. And, and you might wait for an opportunity to talk about hope ahead. Right. But you've got to be really, really yes. careful mm -hmm. in that. Yes, decide whether it's a teaching moment. It's usually not in the early stages. It's about support mm -hmm. and loving on them and giving them room and space for their strong feelings and letting them know that you're there for them and not distancing. Right. People get right. afraid right. Right. of grief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as if it's contagious or they're going to have to feel things that are hard for them to feel. Mm -hmm. So they distance, which is a painful thing for those who are walking through grief. That's the last thing they need. Mm -mm. Yeah. So you really have to be careful and you have to be cognizant of their feelings. And, and what about seeing yourself in their position? Well, that is empathy. That, that's mm -hmm. a way to position empathy. If you mm -hmm. don't know how to be empathic, mm -hmm. then to envision yourself, what if that was me? Right. How would I feel? What would I be going through? Mm -hmm. What would it be like to walk in their shoes? I think it's important to say to them, somebody like that, that, you know, I can't imagine what it's like for you right now, mm -hmm. but I'm going to try to feel this with you. Mm -hmm. And okay. I know I can't completely mm -hmm. get there. But so, it, not, so otherwise you minimize their pain. You mm -hmm. just said, oh, yeah, I know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. You know, I was yes. listening to a radio program <laughs> a couple of years ago, and this family had their daughter shot in the, uh, by some random guy in the parking lot leaving church and killed. And the uh, narrator of the program said, you know, it's hard when things like that happen to us. And I'm thinking, that's never going to, that never, ha that's not a happens to us thing. No, <laughs> it's not. That's a wow. one in a million, right? So right. You know, wow. that was really a miss, uh, kind of miss, uh, I'd stop listening to her. I thought that was really weird. But anyway. <laughs> wow. wow, I hear you. Yeah. We've got about two minutes left. And, mm -hmm. and can y'all just tell the audience, you know, mm -hmm. what is, how to get in touch with you, what your practice is like. And, you sure. Know, yeah. Well, we're Doug and Leslie Gustafson, and we're therapists of, with 65 years of experience between us. And you can find us at AuthenticAndTrue.com. There's lots of free resources there for you, but you can also connect with us if you want more help with regards to coaching or counseling for your relationship, your marriage, depression, anxiety. We've seen the whole bunch of it. <laughs> I bet you have. I bet you have. And, you and know, we're honored a... to do what we do. Amen. Good. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I can tell that you're good at what you do. Mm. I, I can tell that. Mm. Because just we're, looking we're at you We have a passion together. for it. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Our calling. Uh -huh. That's all right. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we here at um, The Good News with Angie Austin and Friends, we partner with folks like Doug and Leslie. Um, so that you can be healed because there's a lot of you out there. You listen to this, this mm -hmm. show for a reason. Okay. You listen to this broadcast continually for a reason. And we know that you need help in some area of your life. So continue to listen because God is bringing people 
just like Doug and Leslie to help you get healed, delivered, and set free from whatever it is that's binding you up. So God bless y'all. We love y'all with the love of Jesus. Thank you for so much for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin and friends. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> the Good News of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hey, this is producer Dave with the good news. You know, Angie's always talking about how much she loves YMCA of the Rockies, but I don't ever get to talk about how much I love YMCA of the Rockies. YMCA of the Rockies in Estes Park is located just between Estes and Rocky Mountain National Park. It is the best place. I grew up going there. I went to summer camp when I was a kid. I actually went through the leadership program. I was a camp counselor at YMCA. It is one of the best things that shaped who I am today. It is really the ideal vacation for everyone. You can do a vacation there. You can have a reunion there. They have weddings. If you want to take your coworkers there, they have conferences. It is the most affordable thing. You don't have to leave the state to go on a really good vacation. If you just want to hang out, you can do that. Or if you want to go on an epic adventure through the mountains, you can also do that. At YMCA The Rockies, they put Christian principles into practice through programs, staff, and facilities in an environment that builds healthy spirit, mind, and body for everyone. It is so affordable. Go to ymcarockies.org for all the information you'll need. Billy Hollowell with FaithWire joining us after the 4th of July. Did you have a good 4th, Billy? I did. I did. How about you? Oh, uh, the best. I've got uh, a family visiting, and so uh, it couldn't be better. And, of course, God bless America. We live in a great country. It's a good reminder for us to appreciate what we have here. And every everyone, as one of my veteran friends said, should be a patriot. Yeah, it's always nice. You know, we should think about these things every day, but we all get busy and we don't. So it's nice to have the holiday to kind of sit back and say, okay, let's really reflect on where we are, what we have, why we have it. Um, And I think all of that is just so important. And where I live, you know, we're right sort of in the belly of the revolutionary war beast. So everywhere we drive, we see the little blue signs with the yellow writing, the historical markers, you know. Um, But even then, again, it's good to have that day. You know, where we can say, okay, this this is what happened and this is why it matters. So I always I always really enjoy the fourth. That's super cool. All right, one of the top trending stories on Faithwire, and I love it that this is trending. It has to do, Billy, well, you know, of course, because you wrote it, uh, with a man who nearly dies and claims he visited heaven, and uh, he describes Jesus. And this was one of the top trending stories over the last couple of days. Hi, Billy. Hi. Yeah, yeah. This story is, is fascinating. This is Stephen Music. He wrote a book called Life After Heaven, and he was in the military, and he tells the story of getting the swine flu vaccination and how while he was in the military he reacted very negatively to that he had an allergic reaction and then he was given um, another shot that had to do with the swine flu not too long after that and he had an even more horrific reaction he ended up um, essentially in a coma and and says that he visited heaven and met jesus and he has this amazing story about what that experience was like and so i interviewed him about this um and it's just, it's always fascinating to hear these stories about heaven because you have a lot of people who don't believe the stories and you have a lot of other people who say look there's far too many people experiencing this or saying that they've gone through this for it not to be true um and and so he stands by his story like i said he's written a book about it and um i'm just always mesmerized at the way that people's lives change after they say they have these experiences yes, yes. um it, it's that's the thing to me that's sort of intriguing. Yes, yeah, some people make it up. We know that. But 
um, you know, I think a lot of other people, they, they're afraid to talk about it because it, it seems so strange, but he talks about just seeing Jesus interacting with him. And you see some of those characteristics that we know, um, and love after reading, you know, the Bible and familiarizing ourselves with it. So it's just, it's all very, very interesting. Love it. All right. This is an interesting story, uh, Trending on Faith Wire, that you wrote, and it has to do with Jay Leno and George W. Bush talking politics, trucks, and uh, and friendship with Bill Clinton. Uh, kind of a surprise to people, this friendship. And I know you have some of the audio, so I don't want to spoil it. Maybe we just play the audio and then we could talk a little bit about it. Yeah, let's take a listen. Welcome to the Bush family's Prairie Chapel Ranch. President Bush went from the gridlock of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to a 1,600-acre paradise filled with tons of native grasses, live oaks, cedar elms, and rivers. To have running water is a real treat. To have running water in your faucet in California is a real treat. <laughs> yeah, just to have any water. <laughs> We're very fortunate. I really, really like this truck. It's a Ford 150 King Ranch version, yeah. and it's handy, as they say, very handy. These trucks are the common vehicle for a lot of rural Texas, and you know a lot of people still live in rural Texas. Including the President of the United States. Including this one. But this is the only place you drive a vehicle, isn't it? Correct. I have not driven on the road since 93. Wow. Now, you used to bring all the world leaders here. I did. Right? Who else has been in this truck and on this property? Well, we had Putin. Putin. Early. Wow. Early Putin. But his English is better than my Russian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, Blair. Oh, Tony Blair, sure. Koizumi, the Japanese prime minister, came yeah, here. Yeah. Berlusconi. Uh, Berlusconi? Yeah. Now, be careful. He throws pretty wild parties. He does. Uh, <laughs> and was there a psychological reason, like, it's just more calming and relaxing? It's a statement of friendship. Yeah. I think it helps them when they go home to say, I met with old Bush on his ranch. Right. And look how far you've fallen. Now I have a comedian from TV. <laughs> Boy, one day you're on top of the world, next day you're driving a stupid comedian around your bro. <laughs> I want to show you something very interesting, at least it is to us. Right there is George Washington. That's the name of that trail. Oh, okay. It was the first trail. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do, <laughs> I do. I do get that. <laughs> I know you get it. <laughs> but President Bush doesn't do all his work in Texas. In fact, he often finds himself back in Washington, D.C. I thought that speech you gave at the uh, African American Museum, the opening, I thought that was really terrific. Well, thank you. Our country is better and more vibrant because of their contributions and the contributions of millions of African Americans. First of all, Lauren and I were honored to be invited. It was really special because a lot of our friends were involved with getting it started. And it's an important place to address the past and to create a sense of optimism for the future. Right. And uh, it was a wonderful event. The president was there, the vice president, Bill Clinton, yeah. Laura and I, and I'm glad I was given a chance to speak. And of course, out of that came you know, a very interesting photo of Michelle giving me a very warm hug. And <laughs> it was a very nice moment of yeah, her. Yeah. She said, I like her. But I think people like when they see presidents of different eras and different parties yeah. coming together. I they mean, that's, that's what America's supposed to be, you know? They do, and that's why my dad's relationship with Clinton is yeah. so heartwarming. You know, Bill and I, we get along well and uh, have a lot of fun, and it surprises people. I mean, there, there's this kind of this polarization is such that people say, well, people who don't agree can't get along. Right, right. Somebody said to me, walked up and said, the way politics are going these days, Bush, you all of a sudden look like George Washington. <laughs> Jay, I think Laura would like to see you. Oh, I'd love to see her. That'd be great fun. Yeah, let's go find her. Hey, guys. 
Hi, Mrs. Bush. How are you? Hey, how are you? Jay, I've sold this little tree, and I wonder if you'll help me dig it up. You think you can do that? Sure. What about you, Bushy? Bushy? No... <laughs> Hang on. This is, this is new. Bushy? Okay. I wish you wouldn't repeat it. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, all right. Let me take Okay, if somewhere. you'll help, it'd be great. Yeah. Okay, now let's put it in the truck. Boy, there is no such thing as a free ride. <laughs> Part of the Bush work program. <laughs> Jay, we've got some other things over here for you to pick up as well. See those sacks of compost over uh, there? Yeah, sure. Sacks of compost. Are these left over from your presidency? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a hand? Huh? Oh, there you go. Welcome to Texas. Uh, here we go. Thanks yeah, so thanks, much. Jay. Thank you're, you, Mr. President. You're a hell of a compost piler. You too, Mr. President. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I love this. This is Jay Leno's Garage. That's the name of the show. It's on CNBC. And so the, the segment sort of features Jay Leno on the side of the road and George Bush pulls up in his truck and, um, and then he drives Jay Leno around um, his property. And uh, this ranch is 1,600 acres and it's massive. And they just have this really cool discussion about politics and his friendship with Clinton. And he talks about how People are shocked that people of different viewpoints can, you know, have a relationship, uh, but yet they're able to do that. He talked about liking Michelle Obama and that photo of the two of them hugging not too long ago that kind of went viral. Uh, so they had, there was kind of a cool conversation about civility in light of disagreements. And, um, you know, he revealed Bush that he hasn't driven on a main road, like on a regular road since 1993 or 1994, um, and that he, you know, he only gets to drive around the ranch. So it's kind, of, uh, it's kind of funny, right? Um, I guess being president and the safety of that, when you think about it, it makes perfect sense why you would only kind of go on private uh, roads and not be on public roads. But when you've got 1,600 acres, I think uh, you're in pretty good shape to be able to to drive uh, a little bit on your own property. That's hilarious. I never even thought about that. He can only drive on his ranch. All right. Uh, I love stories about people who continue to be full of life into their later years. And this is about a single woman on a basketball team. She's over the age of 80. And uh, apparently she's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, this is, so this is just um, an incredible story. It's an entire team of women over the age of 80 and they're out in California. Oh, it's a whole they're, team. I'm looking at the picture now. That's crazy. Team. It's the San Diego Splash. It's the San Diego Splash and they were recently profiled by, by ESPNW and now they're part of a league in California of elderly women who, you know, play basketball and that league starts around the age of 50, I think. So not even, I mean, 50 is not elderly at all. Um, but they're over the age of 50. Now, this particular team, though, the Splash, they're all over the age of 80, every single one of them, and two of them are over the age of 90. And so you have this team of women, and it's actually pretty – I mean, when I first saw the headline and I was reading about it before we did a story on it, I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then you watch the video and hear these women talk about how this has transformed their lives and given them you know, something to sort of live for and do and how they aim to win no matter what. And they don't always win because they're playing, you know, younger women, it's, you know, 50, 55 year olds sometimes. But the entire team is just sort of an inspiration. And it's just a cool thing to see people doing something so active at the age, you know, 80 and above. I mean, it's pretty amazing.
I'm so impressed. You know, my uncle's in his 80s. He just hiked with me. We did about a five-mile hike in the Rocky Mountain National Park, and he'd just come back from Birmingham from the Senior Olympics where he uh, competed in tennis, and it was funny to watch him play while we were at our family reunion against some of my relatives who were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, and how shocked they were with the force of, you know, how he hits, because he only weighs about 125 pounds. When they played tennis with him, I think they were a little bit taken aback by his skills at his age. Yeah, you know, I think we have preconceived notions, uh, you know, that when you hit a certain age, you're not going to be able to do things. I think these women and your uncle and others sort of shatter that, (laughs) you know, because we we see people can do things, you know, older, and it kind of gives us gives people hope, I think, for their own futures, too. Well, I think the falls on the court, though, have uh, more significance with the potential, you know, for broken hips, et cetera. But I think all of this working out, um, keeping themselves, you know, young and stretched and, you know, more agile uh, d- does also um, uh, reduce the amount of injuries that they would incur with older age. Yeah, and they play on a half court, too, so it helps a little bit with some of that. You know, they're not running back and forth on a full court. So that that's good. And I think, yeah, you do have to be careful. It's funny you mentioned the falls. I kept thinking that. I'm like, huh, if you do get knocked over, man, that's not going to be a good situation at 85. But yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure they're a little uh, a little more dainty in terms of not shoving each other to the ground too, but who knows? I'd, I'd love to see them for that matter. All right. Another story trending has to do with a phone app that saves an unborn baby's life just in the nick of time. I love it when apps do good. Yeah, and this is interesting. This woman's name is Emily Eckhoff, and she was she was pregnant about um, I want to say she she downloaded the app maybe around 28 weeks pregnant. She had used it for her first pregnancy, and the app monitors um, you know around like the 33 week third trimester period of a pregnancy. It monitors how often the baby is kicking and how active the baby is. And so she had used it. She loved it for her first pregnancy. She gets an alert with the second pregnancy, and she's realizing as she's monitoring is that the baby's not moving. And so she gets to the hospital just in the nick of time. Uh, What had happened was the umbilical cord was wrapped a number of times around the baby's head, and the baby wasn't moving. And thankfully, the baby's fine. The app essentially saved the kid's life. Um, Had the woman not been monitoring, maybe she wouldn't have even noticed and most women, I think they, they they listen for those, they feel for those movements, but having the app sort of map that move, the movements out is really helpful. So um, she's crediting the app uh, for helping her. And I think it's amazing. It is good to see when apps are doing the right thing and, and helping people instead of technology, you know, sort of encouraging the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anybody's interested, the name of the app is Count the Kicks. Count the kicks. All right, one of the top trending stories on Faithwire has been trending for quite some time. Billy Hollowell with Faithwire joining us. And Billy, there's been a lot of talk about the president, um, some of the tweets, particularly just in the last week or two that have really gotten um, interesting. And some people feel that some of his tweeting is not presidential. And so you have people in your story on both sides claiming what? Yeah, we've got people on both sides. Yeah, this is a tough thing because you've got half of the people who had maybe supported Trump or like Trump saying, look, you know, a lot of these tweets are aimed at the media. The media has been terrible. um, And, you know, he's finally sticking it to them. He's not going to be bullied by the media. They've been biased for years, which is true. Um, And so you have people sort of liking this tweeting, the, the aggressive sort of messages, the comical video that he put out of himself physically beating CNN down. Um, you know, you have people liking that, but then you have people on the other side saying, look, you know, he had said at one point that he was going to be very careful and restrained on social media once he became president. 
when you're president, what you say matters, whether you're tweeting it, saying it, you know, delivering it in a speech, it matters. And people really seeing this is not a presidential way to handle oneself. And, you know, look, there's the other element here of time and people saying, look, how much time does this guy have? He's the president. He seems to have a lot of time to be tweeting <laughs> nonsensical things. I never um, even thought about you know, that. Yes. Right. I, I mean, look, God forbid there's a terror attack or something happens. You know, the first thing that critics are going to say is, you know, he spent all this time doing this. What well, obviously this isn't always fair, but people will do this. And he had all this time to tweet. And why was he not protecting us? So you know, these are the things that I think are very interesting in this debate um, and fascinating. But yeah, there's also the tone and the tenor. Uh, you know, talking about people's alleged facelifts and then bleeding, and you know, there's another level to it. It's not just the tweeting. I think it's the content. Um, and I would actually say this has hit a fever pitch now. And those tweets, you know, aimed at Mika and, and Joe Scarborough, that those really might have tipped the scales on this. We're seeing 71% of the country say that his tweets are a distraction and they're not good. So, um, and I don't think these polls are, are made up. I think a lot of people, even his supporters, are feeling this way. Yeah, it's perplexing. I'll tell you one thing, just as a, just a simple aside, as a parent, um, when my kids hear some of the things that are in the media that he says or does or tweets, um, when I'm teaching them to be kind to others and not hold the grudge and try to not be vindictive, and they know that I voted for Trump, they'll ask me sometimes, why did you vote for that guy when he says blah, 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 or you tell, always tell us not yeah. to do such and such. And that does make it a little bit perplexing. He's certainly a character. I just pray for our country and pray that he uh, can make a difference in a positive way. And I want to support him and the office of presidency. I think we've lost a lot of respect for just the office itself, but it doesn't help when he does these, this tweeting and he does things that people feel are beneath the office. So it, is he feeding into that as well? It's quite an interesting discussion, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I think you make a good point. Parents are very worried about this. And and, they, and we should be because this is the person, if we were worried about Bill Clinton and what he was doing, you know, th this matters too. And I think we've got to be, we have to be fair and look at this, whether people like Trump or don't like Trump. I think both sides have to be fair. And I do think that the, a lot of this is crossing a line and we should be concerned about what our kids are seeing. And we have to explain that to our kids. So I, I think that is uh important and I, I wish he would just class it up a little bit that's all i mean I, I i think we elected him we knew who he was when he was elected but i don't think we all expected that this was going to continue maybe the way that it has i love it we class it up a little bit all right billy where do we find you faithwire.com thank you friend thank you Hi, it's Angie with the good news. I want to tell you about Caitlin. She's seven and she lost her mom to cancer. And we have Adam Katz on the line. And Adam has an idea of how we could help her. For $65, we can sponsor Caitlin for a session of equine therapy. And now Caitlin lost her mom, Adam. And with the Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation, you help kids like Caitlin. Tell us how it's helping her. She loves the equine therapy. You know, she always comes into the ranch very quiet. But as soon as she sees her horse, she just lights up. And for that hour, she has no cares in the world. Such I love a beautiful it. Beautiful thing to see. So for just $65, uh, we can sponsor Caitlin for one of these sessions where she gets to ride a horse and uh, work through her loss. Again, at just seven years old, she lost her mom to uh, breast cancer. The Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation helps these kids be kids. Adam Katz is my friend. I highly recommend this charity. And if you'd like to sponsor Caitlin, give Adam a call. 720-530-9482. 720-530-9482. And that is DoreenKatzMemorial.org. Thank you. Adam. Thank you, Angie. 
Hey, it's Angie Austin with the good news. How would you like to help people of the differently abled community just by donating the things in your house? Yes, I'm talking about ARC. And guess what? You don't even have to take them to ARC. I go there and I shop with a purpose all the time and I buy all kinds of great stuff and it helps people with intellectual and developmental disabilities within our own community. But guess what? They'll come right to your door and pick up your stuff. I have them come about every month or two and I just put everything out of my driveway, put a little note that says ARC on it and they come right to my house and pick it up. And believe me, it makes me feel good to know that I'm helping some of my friends out in the community. So let's tell you how to do this, okay? Call 303-238-JANE. That's 303-238-5263. And they'll come right to your house and they'll pick up all your donations. And don't forget to shop at ARC. It's shopping with a purpose. I get all kinds of stuff for my kids there. Clothes, sporting equipment, boots, gloves, baseballs, bats, basketballs, you name it. Check out Arc. Again, shopping with a purpose, and they'll come pick up your items. 303-238-JANE. Author Allison Ward is back, and we are talking about an article in the news having to do with a teacher and principal paying students, apparently, to forego screen time this summer. Welcome, Allison. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, so there was a teacher in Washington, D.C., who said that she would pay her students $100 out of their own pocket if for every Tuesday over the summer, they would go without their cell phones. And she got the parents involved because I'm sure the first question would be like, well, how will she know it happens, right? So she got the parents involved and they have to, you know, basically uh, participate in this program and sign off on it if students actually follow through. And you said there are pros and cons to this challenge. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, let me first of all say she does not really think that many kids will be able to do it. So she's been saving her money, but she doesn't really forego seeing a big problem with this um, in terms of her expense. Some people, when this news came out, they were like, well, why would you have to pay your kid? You know, I mean, there's a standard in your house and you just set the standard. And, you know, why would you even have to do something like that? So some people think, why well, should I have to bribe my kid, right, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. do, you know, basically follow my instructions? And I definitely, definitely see the argument. But I would also say, you know, the thing that we are really starting to realize is just how addictive the phones and all the social media apps are. Mm -hmm. And this is a really, it's a really big deal. So, you know, drastic times call for drastic measures, right? There's um, a lot of studies out there, right? A lot of studies out there that show just how harmful and how serious this is. In fact, there are percentages of smartphone users who would actually be classified as addicted is only about 10 or 12%. I say only, right? Really? And this is from the director of the Center for Internet and Technology Addiction. But they also found that about 90% of Americans fall into the category of overusing, misusing, or abusing their devices. And about 50% of teens feel that they're addicted to their devices. 50% feel so, they're addicted? Yes. Yeah, so when they, the teens even know this is a problem. So it's time, I think, it's time for parents to step in, right? In fact, they say that cell phone addictions, it doesn't have an official psychological diagnosis, but it functions very similarly to gambling addictions. That's what lets you know how serious this is. Wow. Yeah. I think your brain gets that little charge where it's excited about exactly. getting, you know, a message or a text or whatever, or you're on social media and kids get excited yep. about the number of likes or people that they like maybe logging on to click on their pictures or whatever. So do you see this you as a problem with your own kids? Well, yeah, actually, I have to admit, I do. One of my children 
I mean, she is absolutely addicted to her phone. And so my younger daughter is 18 years old. And what happened is when we were, when I was raising my children is kind of the time that iPhones, these cell phones started becoming, smartphones started becoming popular. So mm-hmm. my children were raised with them. And when they got their first device, it was iTouch. And I'll never forget, they were, I think my daughter was probably about seven years old when she got it. And when her dad said, hey, I've got this available. How do you feel about me giving it to kids? I'm like, sure, they can have a little device they play games with and and keep them entertained. But what we didn't realize, this is just when YouTube and other things are coming off the ground. And all of a sudden, my children who had been very, I've been very careful about what they've been exposed to on television. Now, all of a sudden, they had a device in their room that I wasn't monitoring because I didn't know I needed to monitor it. Right. So so it's really tough. So I really, this is such an important message for me, particularly with children who are younger, because now we have more information. We understand, you know, and just what you said before, it's like that addiction every time sometimes she and I are sitting together and somebody snapchatted her somebody posts commented on her Instagram page all of these things light up her phone and it's like a slot machine kind of going back to the gambling analogy mm-hmm. it's like a slot machine and it's constantly reinforcing her and there's so many challenges with this so I really think it's a great idea now the challenge I would say would think that this principle has done is that I don't know the 11 days I know she's trying to break their pattern which I, I give her great applause for doing but mm-hmm. Doing it 11 days or not consecutive, I don't think we're going to have the intended impact. Yeah. We really need a bit more focused strategy. So I have I have some things I'm going to share with you guys and your listeners about what we can do. Because the truth of the matter is, as parents, we need to set a role model for our kids. Okay. And, and yes, and if we're addicted to the phone, how can we expect them not to? Okay, so we've got about a minute exactly. left. What do we do? Okay, so a couple of things you can do is, first of all, limit your use right? Set some times when you don't use your phone. There's some apps out there. There's one that I like called Moment Screen Time. It's available for iPhones. So you can absolutely use that. So you can monitor how much time you're using the phone. Okay. Get your phone out of your bedroom, right? Shows it leads to insomnia. And it's just a habit of first thing in the morning, taking your phone. It'll set the standard for the entire day. The other thing that you can do is put yourself on a digital diet. Get rid of some of those addictive apps on your phone. Just as a way to help you eliminate it. If it's not on your phone, you can't use it as easily. Okay. And then this is one of my favorite ones. Go on a digital detox from time to time. My husband and I celebrate our anniversary every year by going away for four days and we get in the habit of completely turning off our phone for four days. And the first time we did it, my husband was like, oh my God, I can't do this. And he didn't want to do it. And I need it for work. And you know, the kids might call, but you know what? Our kids used to go out, our parents used to go out to dinner and be unavailable for a couple hours. They'd go away. We couldn't get in touch with them. We can do the same thing. So every time we come back, he's like, oh my gosh, that was the best idea. I feel so so refreshed. So as parents, we need to do it first, and then we can help our children. We can set the standard for our kids. Excellent. All right. Well, I already have moment on my phone, so I'll keep track of my own screen time. Like, all right, Allison Ward, mm-hmm. how do we find you and your book? So the best thing I can tell you to do is go to Amazon.com and look for my book. Please don't come home except for a visit if you're looking for additional tips on how to raise confident young adults. Excellent. Thanks, Allison. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.